Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Welcome, everybody, to the Family Biz Show. I am your host, Michael Columbus, from Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. Uh, today, we've got a wonderful show. We've got Ken Johnson from Leonard's Express here. And Ken, before I, you know, um, introduce you and you know, jump in, I just went out to your website, and it's like, Food Logistics Magazine recognizes Leonard's Express CEO Ken Johnson as a rock star of supply chain. And <laughs> at a time when everybody's talking supply chain for you guys to be, you know, hit, you know, with that honor, that's very cool. But then it went on to recognize one of North America's best fleets. Um, they're your fifth patriotic truck design to honor veterans and raise money, um, a fleet safety award. It just goes on a flashiest fleet. I think that's, you know, that, that's a really cool honor. Right. Um, I, I love how you do two things. One is um, you immediately tell everybody that you're family owned. And I think in this world where trust is everything, I have, you know, I know that family owned businesses get bumped on the trust level because we are family owned and because we, we treat people like family and that comes in. And then you use all the press releases in your things. You've got some great marketing people that are really standing behind you that have done a great job. So welcome, Ken Johnson. Uh, uh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to um, talk with you today. That's all great. So and I also appreciate all the nice things you said. Uh, so um, and we do have a wonderful marketing department. They do a great job for us. Yeah, it's, it, it stands out and shows. There's a, there's a few and far between when they... When you see them, you're like, oh, yeah, they've got somebody special behind them doing this stuff. Um, we have a tradition where we just ask people, how did you get involved in the family business? You know, what was, were, were you one of those ones that, you know, right out of high school or in high school, this is all you've ever done? Or did you take another route and it was kind of twisted and turning and then said, you know, here I am. So love to hear your story. Sure. Um, my dad started uh, KJ Transportation in 1972 when I was about uh, eight years old. And that was his first company. He sold that in 98. I started uh, going to work with him as a kid. You know, I'd empty the trash cans for quarters. To, um, you know, his first offices were at a local uh, truck stop that's no longer in existence in Rochester. And, you know, and um, he'd give me quarters to go play the uh, video games. Um, you know, so uh, I had moved on to working in the shop. Um, I used mounting, dismounting tires as a way to get in shape for football in the fall. You know, I do that over the summer. You know, so yeah, I, you know, to me, it was never a question. I went to college for transportation, which was probably not my best choice because uh, I had a pretty good education at the dinner table growing up. And uh, um, I probably thought I knew more than some of the professors did. And you know, so it, uh, I probably should have taken something a little more challenging than that. But yeah, and I went right to work, you know, out of college at uh, um, KJ and worked there until he sold it. And, you know, then we started Leonard's a few years later. Okay. 
And we, you know, we hit on this earlier before we started the show, but you're actually, this is fourth generation in this industry. And right. you mind sharing, talking about that a little bit? Yeah, my uh, gr um, great-grandfather started a company, Langdon um, Truck Lines in uh, Lindenville, New York, population about 500, I think, <laughs> give or take. It's a very small community in Orleans County. You know, he started, uh, you know, with just one uh, one truck and through that, I have a picture in my office with him sitting on the hood. You know, a fleet of, I think, seven uh, trucks. All the drivers wore bow ties and, you know, eventually my uh, grandmother, his daughter and uh, my grandfather took that over and, you know, they sold their company in 1968. And, okay. you know, and my dad was working for them when they sold and I was born in um, Suffern, New York. So my dad was running their office down in Brooklyn. You know, so, uh, you know, he worked for them and then, you know, he, you know, after they sold, he changed jobs and I uh, went to work for a company that's no longer in business in Bloomfield, New York, before he then moved on to uh, start his company in uh, 1972. Okay. Yeah, so, um, you know, trucking, uh, you know, some people might say we have diesel uh, fuel in our veins. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, it's interesting. Your family has taken and an almost exact and opposite path than many family businesses. It's one that I think is brilliant. It's brilliant that, you know, the, your great grandfather sold the business, you know, then they sold it again and sold it again. And then, you know, each generation pretty much started their own businesses and, you know, why, where did that, where did those decisions come from? How did that happen? And, you know, what were some of the benefits and challenges of that? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, I can't really speak to why my grandparents sold the uh, first company they had. Um, you know, but uh, I know my dad, you know, one of the reasons he was looking to uh, sell was uh, there's four of us. Um, I have two brothers and a sister. We were all active in the business as uh, well as, um, you know, some of our spouses, you know, so I think, you know, he thought that was a way maybe to uh, um, deal with a succession plan, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, you know, and I think uh, when we sold it, you know, we sold it back during the uh, dot-com stock market boom, and it was a publicly traded company that um, seemed like maybe they were better funded than they were. And, you know, so it just, uh, you know, really, they started doing things in a way that was counter to our um, values. And, you know, so, uh, you know, we waited out our non-compete. Um, you know, we also had another business that's still uh, one of our companies, Johnson Equipment. We uh, were doing truck repair and uh, selling parts. I worked there um, for, uh, you know, the uh, three years that we had to wait out our non-competes. And, you know, then, you know, we started seeing opportunities with customers that our uh, former company wasn't uh, serving. And, um, and that's when we decided to get together and start Leonard's Express and, you know, I didn't actually come to Leonard's right away. I stayed at Johnson Equipment for a number of years. My sister and brother-in-law and mother and uh, youngest brother, you know, they uh, they started right out um, in the beginning. And my middle brother, he actually stayed with the company we sold to for a few more years and then um, then came over. So interesting. It's I think sorry, I just got tongue tied there. But for, from a from a succession planning standpoint, it really it makes an awful lot of sense when somebody is passionate about it, of the business and willing to invest their own money, their, their own, not just their time and their talent, but really, you know, the buck stops here. And then the other thing that it does is so, so one, there's a lot of drive from the, the next generation, the rising generation, whatever you want to call it. But then from the other side of that, I want people to make sure that they catch this is 
you're cashing out along the way. So, right. so, you know, if that industry took a turn, you know, you've already cashed out a se several times through the generations. And it's one of the concerns that, you know, when I'm talking to multi-generation business owners, they talk about it all the time where they say, you know, we want to, we want to keep the business in the family. We want to, we're going to gift it over there and do all of that work. And then the concern is, well, what happens if something goes wrong in the economy or the industry and we could be worth nothing? And that cashing out moment every generation is brilliant. Really great idea. Well, I'm not sure it was really planned that way, but, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, you know, worked out in our case, you know, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, and. Not, we're starting to deal with it ourselves now. You know, there's another generation behind us uh, right now. The uh, um, uh, my two brothers and I are um, um, own the company, and we all have uh, family um, in the next generation coming along, which is great. You know, we enjoy uh, seeing them grow, and you know, gr um, more importantly, grow an in, um, interest in our industry. We also have, um, um, I don't, my, both my son and daughter work for Leonard's, but uh, you know, my two brothers both have. Uh, um, um, daughters and sons that um, don't work in, in the um, in the business but you know seeing that next generation grow an in interest and maybe some of the ones that aren't will eventually come over you know simply because uh, they're they're young and still finding their way but yeah it's but it also creates you know some of what you're talking about we're going to have to start thinking about you know how are we going to transition over time you know I'd like to think we still have a little bit of time there but you know Time goes fast and, you know, especially uh, as we're growing and, you know, we've managed to grow, you know, Leonard's and our other companies to a fairly uh, good size, you know, so it's, um, um, you know, it takes planning, you know, to, uh, to make these transitions and, you know, and there's a lot of different ways to go and, you know, some of them are better than others, you know, so you want to make sure you make the best choice for your, your for your family and not just your family. I mean, you know, we like to look at everyone that works for Leonard's and our other companies as part of our family. You know, and I, I think that's part of what's made us successful. Agreed. Um, through the years, I mean, you started in 19, you know, the 1972 was when your parents started. Yeah. Um, what were some of the obstacles the, the families run into running the business through the years? What were some of the, I mean, the seventies, I can just think about the gas crisis and things that were going on in the trucking industry. You mind talking about how did you guys overcome the, you know, the obstacles? Yeah. You know, and uh, um, my dad started one truck, you know, he drove it himself. Um, and back in the seventies, uh, the industry was still regulated. So you had to have shipper support to get your authority. And, uh, you know, and there was tariffs and, uh, you know, was it in the, uh, I believe it was early 80s that the uh, industry was deregulated. So all of a sudden, the barrier for entry dropped dramatically. And, you know, and dad had built, you know, a nice little company by that point. But, uh, you know, in the more competition, you know, supply and demand, you know, so, uh, you know, um, you know, started getting a lot tougher, um, you know, to make, you know, the profits, you had to work harder, you had to watch your costs um, more, you know, and not that they wasted money, you know, prior to that, but, you know, it's just, you know, just ramp that up to another level. And, you know, and it's, it's been that way ever since, you know, it's, you know, it's a very competitive um, business. And over the years, you know, we've done several acquisitions, you know, sometimes the timing haven't been great, you know, we're, or we bought a fleet that, you know, maybe didn't, uh, and, you know, I can remember one specifically, we bought a fleet out of Pennsylvania, probably had the greatest group of employees that we've ever, um, um, you know, I, I don't want to say ever, because, you know, we've done some really good ones since then. Um, but uh, as far as the drivers go, the drivers, um, almost every one of those drivers retired from my dad's company. 
you know, where, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, they, they leave, but they had a group of trucks that almost broke us um, you know, mechanically, you know, they were just unreliable and just, you know, um, very high cost to maintain. And, you know, and it's probably the only time, you know, over the years that we ever made any sizable layoffs because, you know, those trucks, um, you know, we just had to get rid of them um, and sell them and, you know, and move on. But, uh, you know, so we've had, you know, challenges, you know, industries up and down, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, right now, you know, the last three years were very good. You know, the uh, uh, pandemic um, created a lot of opportunities for our industry. People were uh, um, spending their money differently. You know, as the inflation hadn't really heated up as much, you know, and it, that changed overnight here, you know, several months ago, it seems, you know, so, you know, and, and we've dealt with those cycles, you know, throughout the years. Um, yeah, I think the biggest difference now, it just seems they happen. You know, the good times don't last quite as long, nor do the bad times. And, you know, I think because the knowledge and which comes through technology, just it changes that quick. So. Gotcha. Um, thinking about, you know, family, or, let's talk about scaling. Mm -hmm. Let's jump over there. When you started Leonard's, how many trucks did you guys have then? How many employees? And then compare that to today and talk about how you and your family think about the strategies that you're going to employ, if you don't mind sharing that. Yeah. Um, Leonard's actually started out as a truck brokerage, um, you know, and uh, mainly because, you know, we wouldn't, um, we were looking at ways to, uh, you know, take care of some of the customers that we thought were being underserved by uh, the name of the company that uh, bought ours was priority. You know, we felt they were being underserved and, um, but we didn't want to compete with them, you know, and, you know, for drivers and, you know, that type of thing, you know, just, you know, we still had uh, um, friends and family there. So, you know, so we took that approach about 2007 priority uh, closed down. And uh, that's when we started adding trucks, you know, by then our brokerage was pretty good size. You know, we were, um, um, you know, moving, you know, several hundred loads, you know, a, a week. And we started adding trucks when those drivers that um, had formerly worked for uh, my dad's company and uh, had come to uh, priority over the years were looking for a job and, you know, the uh, trucks were available. Um, so we bought them, started adding them. Uh, over the uh, next, uh, you know, 2011 was our first acquisition up in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. We've done seven since. You know, that's uh, been a very big part of our growth strategy. We usually only do acquisitions on the asset side, which is our own trucks with our names on them. And we've tried to grow the brokerage, you know, um, in parallel with that over the years. So, you know, as a revenue stream, you know, we have both uh, um, customers and uh, loads that we serve with um, carriers using their assets and, uh, and, and those that we serve using ours, um, you know, based out of other than Farmington, every one of our terminals comes through an acquisition, and we have five that have trucks based at it, at it, and another seven that are uh, sales offices, which are uh, uh, primarily brokerage. Nice. And when you guys thing, go ahead, I was just, just going to add, you know, the, over the last four or five years, we've started adding uh, warehousing um, services and just opened a brand new uh, refrigerator warehouse um, in January. And that was something, you know, going through your website, talking about the difference between refrigerated and, ju and, and just delivery and trucking. It's a different industry, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and uh, my, um, you know, dad retired about 10 years or so ago. And, uh, um, you know, really, that was when, 
my two brothers and I and my sister at the time was with us, we really decided to focus on the refrigerated side of the business. We still, you know, we still do a fair amount of uh, dry van work, but, you know, we felt that, you know, it was part of the industry that, you know, maybe had a little less competition, you know, especially if you devoted resources to technology and uh, kept your equipment um, upgraded, you know, to the newest you know, that, you know, we could compete a little better, you know, and it wasn't quite as commoditized as, you know, some of the other types of uh, freight hauling in our industry. You know, and that, uh, you know, led us to, you know, we do a lot of dry warehousing, but we also, uh, you know, seen a lot of demand in um, the refrigerated side, you know, which led us to, uh, you know, decide to invest in building that facility. And, you know, and it's it's a little more demanding. It takes a little um, higher level of expertise, you know, not just from, you uh, you know, technology perspective, but from a driver perspective, you know, a lot of what we haul is, uh, you know, fresh, you know, so, you know, you got a load of uh, berries, you know, that uh, has a very limited shelf life, you know, so, um, you know, you, you have to have a driver that's reliable, you have to have equipment that's reliable, and, you know, and you have to use technology to make sure everything's working together. You probably have uh, tons of, uh, you know, operating systems and processes built in to be able to make that work. And, you know, just looking at the video, you guys use technology at a level that a lot of people probably don't in that industry. Yeah, you know, we'd like to think we do. And then we look around and see a lot of the technology we have in-house that we don't feel that we're fully uh, utilizing, you know, that we could always do it better, you know. So, you know, sometimes we're our own worst critic. But, yeah, you know, technology's come a long ways. When I first got in the industry back um, in the early 80s, you know, it was uh, the driver would make a check call every morning, you know, um, report you know, what the uh, temperature was on his trailer, what, you know, the tomatoes or the uh, um, the fruit, you know, looked like some of the different fruits um, continue to ripen as they're being transported. And, you know, and maybe we'd make an adjustment. And it was a knob. If you were within a degree or two, you were fine. Um, you know, whereas now, you know, the trailers have computers on them, you know, where we have set points that are in some cases specific to our customers, you know, like uh, we haul a lot of berries and, uh, you know, that we have a berry profile that our customer has developed in um, um, collaboration with the uh, refrigerated um, trailer manufacturers and the carriers that they use, you know, so it has an exact temperature they want, the exact um um, range as well as the humidity level they want in the trailer you know so you know time times have really changed with that wow that's it's pretty incredible that you guys have kept up with that when there's a lot of family members in the business today talk right. about how many family members are in the business uh let's see it's gotta be somewhere around uh 12 i think okay um, you know Do give or take have you set up like policies to say when somebody can come in? How do you, you know, how did you make those decisions? How do you decide where do they fit? How do you pay? You know, is how does that work in your family? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's funny because uh, um, my uh, um, brother's son-in-law who works for us uh, graduated from St. John um, Fisher and, uh, you know, he was very active in their family business uh, program there. And Carol Lipmeyer did a great job over there, still doing yes. a great job there. Yeah, and, he, and I've been fortunate. He's taken me over to some of the uh, um, presentations they've had with different uh, um, family companies that they bring in for those programs. And, you know, and, and I, he's actually brought some ideas to us, you know, that, uh, you know, my dad, my dad was a big believer that um, if a family member wanted to come to work for him, he would hire him, you know, right. and find, find a place for him. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, that, you uh, um, didn't work out, but most times it did. And, you know, and my dad was very uh, good motivator, you know, but he was also a very good uh, 
judge of people, you know, and um, recognizing their strengths and, you know, where they would fit in, you know, and, you know, um, 1988, you know, the, uh, um, he had an opening, you know, for director of maintenance at KJ. You know, I was in the business six, seven years and, uh, and actually been working in different part. He told me he wanted me to do that. And, you know, and I worked in the shop growing up, but I really had no idea how to run it. He uh, gave me a couple of names of people in the industry to reach out to and, uh, you know, get involved in some um, associations and, you know, and, you know, so it, that was the way my dad you know, just, you know, sort of uh, develop people and recognize their skills. And, you know, and it gave me a, you know, great background in the industry. And, you know, I did that till, um, you know, 2001, when I went over to Johnson Equipment, which was still a maintenance deal, but, you know, I, but I wasn't running the fleet any longer, you know, so, you know, so we've kind of carried that over, you know, so we really don't have a, you know, structure of you have to meet this level. Um, it's more of what are you interested in? And do you understand that this is our family's company and you're part of our family? And, uh, you know, with that comes responsibility, you know, and uh, it may not be a responsibility level um, that everybody is comfortable with. Yeah. You know, and it's you have to want to you know, work in our industry, you know, the, you know to make a, um, make it work. And I think what has happened over the years with some of our family members in the next generations is, you know, they see it growing up from a distance. And don't think, you know, it's all that interesting, you know, and it's, um, you know, the trucks are boring and, you know, there's no glamour to it, but they, you know, maybe come to work, you know, on a summer job, you know, when they're in high school or uh, in my daughter's case, she worked for us part-time while she was going to um, school locally, you know, and she actually changed her major once she started seeing what we do and, um, and actually got close to some of the people she was working with, you know, so, you know, that's, uh, it's worked for us. Um, you know, we haven't felt the need to put a formal structure um, in place. We do, uh, you know, we do meet with them as a separate group. We have a um, management group within Leonard's, you know, that um, um, other than my two brothers and myself, Kevin and Kyle and I, you know, we have their outside uh, managers outside the family, but we also meet with the family members um, quarterly just to discuss what's going on, you know, bring them up to speed on some of the uh, things we've um, got working, you know, some of the plans we're making and to listen to their ideas, you know, and, uh, you know, and what area of the company are, are, are you working in? Are you comfortable there? You know, what path would you like to see yourself uh, go down over the next five or six years? And, you know, really um, not necessarily make them uncomfortable on purpose, but make them really stop and think about um, what, you know, their next steps might be if they are uh, given the opportunity, you know, so, uh, so we're not trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. We're trying to uh, use their skills and interests, you know, so that, uh, you know, they can be, you know, um, contribute in their own way, but still be a part of, uh, you know, the family business. Yeah. What happens, um, what you're describing by default is written in a book called Every Family's Business, um, Tom Deans talks about, you know, his family did a few things. One, they always sold the business every generation. Um, and then there were some other things like meeting with the family on at least a quarterly basis. He said at least annually, you guys are doing it quarterly and you're just having those conversations. You know, what, are the, what do you see as the SWOT analysis for the company? What do we see? Where do you see the vision versus where do we see the vision? And you're just having some great dialogue. So hats off and congratulations. This, it's a really testament to how you were able to scale, how you were able to bring family members in. Um, my gut says that if somebody is has the responsibility for 
maintenance, they're getting paid the same as everybody in that division. And if somebody is working in marketing, they're getting paid based just like everybody in marketing is. is that yeah, it's close. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly, uh, you know, um, um, we take care of family, you know, um, we try to take care of everybody. You know, it's, uh, um, my mother always believed in uh, equity, you know, so, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, she kind of put that sense of uh, treating all her grandchildren equally, um, just like she treated her uh, children equally, which probably was uh, one of the reasons they were a little bit challenged to you deal know, with the, uh, um, um, transitioning to the next generation, um, which is why, you know, I, I believe that they sold their first company, but, uh, you know, with this company, they decided to uh, bring in some outside help, um, you know, and that, uh, you know, that led to where we are today. So that I, I think we, we may or may not, you know, look at a little different path um, sure. than they did, you know, um, but, but I think it can transition without necessarily selling, but yeah, there has to be a, there has to be a plan. And then yeah. that may, may eventually be the option. But at this point, we've uh, got a much larger group than maybe a few years ago to, to bring into the conversation. Understandable. Um, take a break from business for a second. And just talk about the Johnson family. What are some of your favorite traditions outside of business with the family? Oh, she's like, you know, one of my favorite things, um, you know, growing up is, uh, you know, the large uh, family gathering at Thanksgiving, you know, thanks, Thanksgiving, for whatever reason, has always been my favorite holiday. Um, I think, uh, mainly because, you know, is the largest group of family that, you know, we got together every year, you know, was, uh, Christmas seemed to always be a little, uh, a little tougher to get everybody in the same place at the same time. But um, we would all would all gather, you know, we, um, we spent a lot of time, you know, work, you know, with, uh, you know, um, being a family business, you know, with our family vacations uh, over the summer, just growing up, where generally my dad had an office in Owensboro, Kentucky, um, is probably not on most people's uh, top 10 list of places to go on vacation, but his way of uh, letting, it was a smaller office with maybe three or four people in it, and uh, he would go down and work in that office so that those people could have, um, someone to take care of their job while they were on vacation. And, you know, we'd spend the summer, there was a camp not far from there, you know, with a uh, lake with swimming. And, you know, so, you know, that was uh, fun, you know, doing that. Um, nice. We've always, you know, I've always been a big race fan. My dad was as well. We'd go to the Daytona 500 um, a lot of years. I think I was the only one of my family members that that stuck with. Um, my wife and I still go to the Daytona 500 every year. Um, you know, so yeah, you know, it's uh different things like that growing up uh, my dad sponsored some race cars you know at the local racetracks you know so i would uh, go hang out with them and you know and that's that was what, well you know that was my uh, golf game i guess i put play a little golf but you know not near as much as my two brothers do so i'm more into the cars there you go uh, it's and we're blessed we've got walking so close right some really neat you know it's different racing but de just definitely neat stuff happening there yeah sure yeah i've been there uh, plenty of time um, what are some of the tough parts about being part of a family business? Well, you know, growing up and uh, even now when you're with family, you generally are talking about business. Um, you know, it's very difficult to separate um, the two. Um, you know, I, I used to joke once in a while that, you know, Christmas dinner was our annual board meeting. Um, <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, it's just hard to get away, you know, especially at, uh, you know, at times, you know, I've had cousins, um, you know, especially when my dad was still running um, the company, I had cousins working there, aunts, and, um, 
you know, so, you know, even larger family gatherings still revolved around um, business, you know, so, you know, getting, um, having conversations, you know, it was nice, uh, you know, it was after dad retired, which uh, he said he retired, he never really did, um, you know, and he, he was still a trusted advisor to not only me, but my um, two brothers, as well as, you know, we have a lot of long-term employees that still would talk to him on a regular basis, but it all, it did allow, you know, an opportunity to uh, talk about things other than trucks, you know, and, uh, you know, and I enjoyed, enjoyed those conversations and uh, miss them, so. Um, but that, that, I think that's probably one of the tougher um, things growing up in a family business, especially one like trucking, you know, because, you know, my dad used to joke, uh, his uh, slogan was, we doze but never close. And it's true. You know, it's a 24-7 um, business. You know, we, uh, we have people working um, every day of the year, um, every hour of every day, you know, so, right. you know, it's, it's not like, you know, you can shut it down for a week and go on vacation and just forget about things, you know, so, you know, that's uh that was one of the, probably the challenges, but on the other hand, you know, I think it's given our family a very uh, um, stable life. You know, we didn't miss much growing up. You know, we did the Disney trips, we did the, uh, you know, things like that. You know, so uh, you know, we certainly, you know, but uh, a lot of times we were waiting to go on rides, and Dad was over on a payphone checking in to make sure everything was good at the office because didn't have cell phones back then. So right, right, payphones. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um. We talked about transition. You're working on that, those things right now. You guys have historically done things differently. It looks like there's a possibility that it'd be different again going forward. So that's, I think that's really powerful as well, is the fact that you're not just, this is the way we've always done it. So this is what we have to do. You're open to, you know, having some discussions, say, okay, what do we need to do for this generation? I think that's smart. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, um, we're in a uh, fortunate position that uh, I'm the oldest, um, you know, and there's eight years between me and my uh, youngest brother and uh, um, um, Kyle and uh, Kevin's in the middle, you know, so we're not in any uh, rush. Um, but we also know that, you know, over the next uh, several years, you know, we need to start having that in the back of our mind. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, looking at opportunities, you know, um, you know, is, is this the right thing to do, you know, long-term, um, you know, we're still actively looking for, uh, growth opportunities. Um, you know, it's a little tougher, you know, when interest rates are, um, <laughs> doubling and tripling when you're in a trucking business, um, as our, uh, some of our financial advisors like to say, you're in a very, uh, capital intensive um, business. So, um, but yeah, it's, you know, we're still, you know, we're still in a growth mode. We're still, you know, running the business, but, you know, always have that in the back of our mind a little bit that, uh, you know, we need to um, manage with a sense that, you know, at some point there's going to be a transition that needs to take place. And what does that look like? You know, and, and giving yourself that runway, um, that long lead time gives you a lot of opportunity to look at all the various options. Cause there's a lot of them, you know, there's, uh, you know, you can, um, you can continue to grow. You can, you know, um, stay until you're, you know, um, right. you know, 80 years old and, um, you know, just keep running it every day, or you can look for an exit strategy and those exit strategies, you know, there's dozens of them really. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. We're working with one right now. They have always been, and I, tell me if this phrase rings true, um, the founder was the benevolent dictator. Everything was on his shoulders. You know, the buck stopped with him. And in order to, you know, transition, they're, they're looking and hoping to go to an ESOP. And because, you know, it's 170 employees 
and nobody in the family wants to continue it. But when you're the benevolent dictator and you're making all the decisions, you haven't really grown that leadership team to be able to do that. It sounds like you have a management leadership team that are some family, some non-family. Then you have the family board kind of working on a quarterly basis. Um, And that work, you know, you probably, you know, through the years when you started the company, it was the three of you making all the decisions every single day. You've transitioned out of that. It sounds like otherwise you wouldn't be able to be sitting here doing this podcast right now. Right. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, and I'm, you know, w- we've always been fortunate. And I think this is something that, uh, you know, um, my dad and mom started, you know, with uh, giving, making sure that we always had a very positive reputation, you know, um, built a place that people want to go to work, um, you know, and then once they get there, they're happy, you know, that um, they're there. You know, it, it makes it easier to hire good people, you know, that, um, you know, because if, Trucking, you know, we talked a little bit about the technology or, um, earlier, but it's still a very people intensive uh, business. And uh, the, uh, you know, so, you know, we're up to uh, right around a thousand employees between our four um, companies, you know, so uh, it takes, you know, it takes a very strong um, team. The, on the other hand is, you know, I look back at my dad, you know, and sitting in this role and uh, he didn't have two brothers. It was him and my mother. And, uh, you know, we can bounce ideas off each other, you know, um, you know, we, we have titles, but, you know, we treat each other as equals and, uh, you know, in the decision-making process. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I think dad had the weight of the uh, entire company on him where, you know, it, it's a bigger company, maybe a little heavier load, but it's uh, shared, you know, so, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, a very uh, powerful benefit. Yeah. That, and like I didn't have. Yeah. And, and then the work to go from, you know, just being one person or even just three, you, the three of you couldn't do all the work without having a great team right. uh, and trusting them to be able to do it. You can't, you can't scale without the right culture and the right people. Um, right. That's absolutely important that you pick that up, you know, a long time ago. We, we share this with everybody that we talk to is that you're not in Whatever industry you think you're in, that's not the business that you're in. You're right. in the business of people. Exactly. Customers or employees or family, you know, or it might even be for like for, for a family business, you've got people that aren't in the, the business. They've got their opinions on how they think you should be doing things, right? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that not every decision we make that everyone agrees with, uh, you know, like I said, over the years, we've done several acquisitions and uh, the last one was uh a little bit uh, bigger than anything we'd ever done before. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure there were people that, you know, that created a little extra work for them that maybe they questioned the wisdom of it. Uh, turned out to be a great, great uh, addition for us. We've added a whole bunch of uh, wonderful people that was out in uh, Caldwell, Idaho, which is outside of Boise. Um, the only challenge there was, uh, you know, we did that in the middle of a pandemic after a lot of the airlines had cut um, the number of flights per day. So, it was a lot easier to get there um, prior to um, and the closing in the pandemic. I think it takes three flights from Rochester to get there most of the time. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. So I, I'm sure that uh, not every decision we've made, not every opportunity we've taken advantage um, of, you know, that the entire uh, um, company agreed with. Um, but I think that uh, 
Um, I, I think that, you know, in my leadership style, if we make a mistake, we admit the mistake and move, um, you know, make the change and move on. Um, you know, and if, uh, you know, we find something that works, you know, we find a way to uh, build on it. And, yeah. you know, and that's, you know, seems to have, uh, you know, worked in, you know, my two brothers and I, you know, all share that philosophy and, you know, we're not, we're not afraid to admit when we're wrong. Um, you know, it's just, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying. And, you know, and that's, you know, we're certainly not afraid to take a risk every now and then. And, and, and here we go again, by default, you nail some of the best business books out there. So Patrick Lencioni wrote the book, um, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. A lot of businesses have, have utilized that and talk about it. And the foundation of that is trust. And the way that you build trust is being, being able to talk about your faults, talk about your mistakes, being vulnerable with your with your employees so that models for them to be able to come to you to say, Hey, I screwed up. I, I and here's my thinking for some solutions. What do you think? It just right. changes the dynamic inside of the company. Yeah, you know, I agree. You know, and, uh, you know, and I think, you know, one of the things that we did several years ago, and it happened to be the same gentleman that uh, advised my family on, um, you know, my dad moving um, from the uh, CEO role to our um, chairman and, um, um, partial retirement and um you know i moved in the ceo role and um, so on and uh i brought him in because we were growing fast and uh you know and people were looking to uh myself my two brothers uh, my sister was still with us at the time some of the other leaders you know and you know to make answer or make decisions and give answers and you know as we were getting bigger that, that just was a bottleneck and um you know so uh we started a program called la leadership academy um dr uh, jim kestenbaum you know a local oh, sure uh, you know, I, jim you know, has been on the show oh, okay great so you you know who i'm talking yeah, about absolutely um, we're on currently there's a group um it's la 11 um and there's been other groups that we've done so there's, he's probably done 17 18 different programs for us um the leadership academy being the uh most frequent you know and the teach leadership skills you know even if uh um, to use one of his ter um, terms that you're still an individual contributor, um, but give you the skills to make a decision, um, you know, and give a customer an answer or give, um, you know, a coworker an answer that you don't have to wait, you know, for somebody higher up, um, you know, to uh, make a decision, you know, empower people to, you know, make decisions and get things done quicker. And, you know, and he's been great, you know, on helping us develop that. And, you know, I really think, um, you know, that's, you know, been part of our growth uh, successes, you know, um, doing that because, you know, we bought companies over the years where, you know, it was, you know, one or two owners, you know, and their quality of life was terrible because they didn't let anybody else make decisions. Right. They, and, and in most cases, they had great people, you know, and, uh, but, you know, they, they felt the buck stopped with them. And because of that, they had to make all the uh, decisions and, you know, and, um, and it, probably cost them some on the quality of life scale, you know, yeah. uh, you know, they weren't able to do some of the things that they wanted to, and they had no exit strategy other than to sell. And, uh, you know, fortunately we've found over the years, a few, um, very good ones, you know, and, uh, you know, I think we were able to give the, uh, former owners, um, you know, a little bit of their, um, life back. So that's great. And so two things come out of that conversation for me. One, I want to talk about, you know, you're smart enough to bring in outside consultants through the years. Um, my gut says it probably wasn't just Jim, Dr. Jim. Um, and, and that, I think, is one of those blind spots for people is they think 
they have to do it all. That rugged individualist, you know, American, I, I've got this covered. And it's just smart to say, I don't know what I don't know. Right. Well, you know, and, and that's especially true in the trucking industry. You know, as, um, you know, most, not all, but, you know, predominant, um, um, predominantly, most trucking company owners started as a driver, um, then maybe bought their own truck, and then started to build off that. You know, there's a few, you know, that maybe worked in the industry in other capacities, but, um, you know, and, you know, up until maybe the last seven, eight, nine years, it was a very uh, male-dominated um, industry, and in um, some areas of it, it still is, and, you know, so you're dealing with a, uh, you know, somebody that built um, a company and very, um, you know, and trucking's, you know, very competitive, you know, and it's, you know, it's a very, um, um, it's, it's a business of pennies, you know, we measure things in pennies per mile. And, uh, you know, so you get very uh, um, protective, you know, of making the decisions, you know, when you're starting from nothing and building it up. And, you know, some, some have done very well at recognizing their limitations and bringing in, you know, additional help and um, using it. Others, you know, are still limited by their own capacities because, you know, they're afraid to give that up. And, um, and they look the only way to giving it up is to sell and let somebody else hopefully continue to um, build their company for them. Which goes to the other piece that I wanted to talk about is acquisition. Mm -hmm. So that's been, you know, the growth strategy that you have used through the years is sure. acquisition. Walk me through and just share with, you know, our audience, when you are acquiring a company, what are the important pieces? How do you how do you merge? And you know, one, how do you know that it's a good going to be a good fit? And two, how do you ensure that it's a good fit? What are the steps that you're taking to make sure that your culture and their culture, you know, are are meshed? You know, it's uh, it's funny. Um, one of the first things we do when uh, we get an opportunity across our desk uh, on my desk, and I get a lot of them that. Um, you know, just, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it's neither the timing isn't good or uh, we got something else going on, but, um, you know, I, I get, you know, several a week. And if I see one that I think might be a good opportunity, you know, I'll reach out to the broker um, that's representing that um, company and, and they'll send over, you know, some information, you know, numbers, you know, um, it's at that point, it's usually fairly high level. It's uh, a lot of confidentiality, um, you know, in this uh, process. And, uh, and within the first couple of steps, I want to have a sit down lately virtually, um, you know, with the owner. Right. Um, I want to have a conversation and just talk like you and I are talking here today, um, you know, and just, you know, general, you know, I generally, uh, you know, and my two brothers generally participate in that as well. And we try to get a sense of um, their business philosophy, you know, and how they run their company. Um, that'll generally give us a pretty good idea, you know, how the uh, culture of that company is. And it was, um, we always integrate our acquisition into, um, in, into Leonard's. Um, you know, I mentioned the last one was uh, a little bit larger than the typical one. We actually, uh, um, and I had nothing to do with this. It was uh, my middle brother, Kevin, and a group that he took out to Idaho. They changed a name on 165 trucks, and I think in about five days which is, is a uh, very, uh, um, um, it's a lot of work. Sure. And, um, you know, so, uh, um, you know, so 
it's important that, you know, we have, you know, a strong compatibility from a culture perspective, you know, and our, our culture is, uh, um, you know, it's each location kind of has their own subculture, you know, just because of where they are in the country, but, you know, it's, you know, it's a general um, culture of doing things the right way, you know, um, doing what's right, even if it's not easy. And, you know, when we're looking for people that, you know, have the same mindset, you know, the, um, you know, we have a uh, little over 700 trucks on the road, you know, so um, that's a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong if we're not thinking about safety first. You know, it's we're going to do it safely regardless of, uh, um, you know, you know, if we're late because of weather, you know, and, um, and we stop to get out of the weather or if, uh, um, you know, if traffic's backed up and, you know, we're not going to take a back road just to get around traffic. If the uh, interstate's the safest way, we, we want to operate as a safe um, company and, you know, and it's a, uh, um, it's a priority. And when we look at, you know, acquisitions, you know, besides meeting with the owner and the culture, um, trying to get a gauge on the culture, we also look at some of the uh, publicly available safety information on them, just, you know, to make sure that they have that same um, value. So. That's great. When, when you look at, you know, you and your brothers get together right now, what would you say over the next 12 to 18 months is your top priority today? Um, you know, probably, uh, you know, in the last several months, uh, um, trucking's gotten a little bit more challenging. Um, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, it's, um, I get a lot of the local press comes to me when uh, the fuel prices go up and how are you dealing with it? Because they know we use a lot of fuel and uh, and we do. But uh, I worry more when the price of fuel goes up because our contracts are all tied to fuel, you know, so that, uh, you know, what we charge our customer goes up as the price goes up and then subsequently goes down. And and they're going to pass that on to their customers, you know, and, and uh, um, you know, inflation has an impact on, you know, our economy and, you um, trucking especially you know most everything you know that you um, use or consume at one point or another is on a truck you know maybe several times and you know as the, our costs go up and we pass them on and other um, costs go up you know from other um, um, directions people are um, people's dollars don't go quite as far you know and you throw in that we're a capital intensive business you know with high interest rates you know that's uh you know both uh both are creating challenges and you know we think we put ourselves into a very strong position um but i think that's uh um probably going to be the focus is just make sure that you know our costs are in line and uh you know and that everybody's on the same page you know that um you know we're still going to do things the right way and we're still going to um you know um maintain our values and you know it may be a little more challenging than it was last year um, but probably next year will be a little bit better and you know we work hard to put ourselves into that position you know we always look at acquisitions um, you know sometimes it's not the right one but you can't time your opportunities and you know they, they they come at you when you know when they come at you and you know we'll just have to decide whether it's the right time you know to take a look or uh, you know if we want to wait a little bit you know there'll, there'll be other opportunities if we decide to pass so. right um what else the, these this has been fabulous you shared an awful lot and, and just like your vision on a, of how you do, do things i'm telling you you know i don't know how many business books you've read through the years but you're just you're, you're pulling them right out you know the people side of things is jim collins all day get the right people on the bus get the wrong people mm -hmm. off get them doing the right things you right. know and measure it and it's not, you've got KPIs for everything. When you're down to pennies on the dot, you know, on the mile, 
you're really tracking the KPIs at a really good level. That's nice. Well, you know, besides having a very influential uh, um, um, industry uh, leader and my father, you know, I I haven't read a lot of the books. You know, I've read some of the books that you're referring to, uh, but, you know, uh, one of my favorite things to do is read books about successful uh, uh, business owners, you know, and um, over the years, I've uh, actually the last book I read in paper was uh, Steve Jobs. Um, that was um, and I fabulous book. Yeah, it was. And after reading that, I went out and bought an iPad. <laughs> Everyone since been on, on uh, electronically. So, uh, you know, I guess it worked. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, and I think that, you know, we all have our own leadership style, but, you know, we're influenced by the people we're around and the people that we uh, admire and, uh, you know, our mentors, you know, so, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's worked for us. And, and I, I'd like to think that, you know, my two brothers and I, you know, we kind of have complementary leadership styles, you know, and uh, complementary strengths. You know, I think that's one thing, you know, that's helped us as a uh, uh, family company um, transition successfully is that, you know, we all have different strengths and different areas of interest, you know, so we're not, you know, um, um, you know, tripping over each other, you know, it's, uh, you know, you go do this, you go do that, and um, and I'll do this, and you know, let's uh, we'll circle back at the end of the day, and you know, see how things went, and uh, it's it's worked for us. That's great. Um, you talked about reading biographies of successful people. I think that's a fabulous way uh, of doing it. I always forget. You know, I got on a, a kick of reading biographies, and it was just like idea. You know, tons of great ideas. Right. Um, and I haven't read a biography in a while, so I'm going to go back. I'm going to go find find one. I love the Steve Jobs one was fabulous. That was great. Yes, it was. Um, the other thing that I want to point out, we're, we're getting close to time, but as you're talking, we do a thing with clients called the market map. And you've mentioned competitors. You've mentioned customers. You've mentioned potential customers. You've talked about associations. You talk about, you know, where you're spending your money. That's the market map. And my gut says, and I'm, I'm just curious, do you have that mapped out on paper someplace for other people to see? Um, not really. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, we try to, uh, um, you know, we have, you know, a vision, you know, that we share, um, you know, and, you know, we talk about, you know, like, you know, focusing on growing our refrigerated side of the business. You know, we we didn't walk away, and we still take up opportunities on the dry side. It's more regional. Um, you know, or you know, if it fits what we're currently doing and helps grow it, we'll uh, you know we'll take a look at you know most opportunities there. But you know, overall, our you know our guiding um, was uh, you know to grow the refrigerated side and you know take advantage of our expertise. You know, we share that in uh, conversations. I have several ways that I um, communicate with our employees. Um, uh, every month there's this program I call it the worst television show on on the air um, Ken's Corner it's a team's meeting that anyone in our company um, can uh, join into okay. and um, and you know and I have an email address specifically for that that they can send in ideas for uh, topics or questions they have or uh, you know different things within whether it's within the company or within the uh, industry and I'll talk about that for you know 45 minutes or so once a month um, you know, then I have, uh, you know, it's supposed to be weekly, but uh, I call it the occasionally uh, um, weekly update, you know, that I send out, you know, I try not to jam up people's inboxes just for the sake of uh, maintaining a schedule, um, you know, that we, uh, you know, when that, I'll use that, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, reminders of some, you know, at the end of the year, the HR gives me a lot of things to put in there for, uh, 
um, you know, health um, insurance renewals and changes and that type of thing. But other times it's just talking about trends in the industry or trends in the company or, you know, initiatives that we may be having, um, you know, internally, you know, and, and we've got four operating companies, um, you know, so that, you know, it's, it's not always just about Leonard's, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we have the driving school, which is a for-profit driving school. We happen to hire a lot of their uh, students on the, uh, class A side, but we do, uh, you know, cars and uh, smaller trucks as well. You know, we have integrated logistics, which is basically a uh, financing company for small fleets. You know, we're, uh, you know, we buy their accounts receivable, fund them, you know, the, uh, as soon as they provide us, you know, the required paperwork and then, um, you know, and then uh, we collect the money from their customers, you know, they improve their cash flow. And then Johnson Equipment, uh, you know, Johnson Equipment is a big part of Leonard's as they uh, maintain all of uh, Leonard's trucks, but we also, you know, um, have uh, the outside customers, you know, our body shop I was in last week and I walked around with a big smile on my face because not a single vehicle in there said Leonard's on the side of it. Wow, that's great. Which yeah, in our business, you know, not having anything in our body shop is a, is a bonus, um, you know, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, so, you know, so I have to, you know, balance that it's not all about Leonard's, you know, and, um, but Leonard's is the big company, you know, and everybody knows that. And, um, you know, so, so a lot of it dominates there, you know, and, and I, and I try to give everybody the opportunity to ask questions, you know, so, you know, that's, uh, um, and that all started during uh, the pandemic. It was, uh, uh, it was driven by the need to communicate initially about um, restrictions, requirements, uh, you know, all the uh, things that, you know, we don't want to talk about anymore because we're tired of it. You know, it, uh, what, what communities has had mask rules and, you know, and there was talk about mandatory vaccines and all that. And, um, you know, and some of the uh, responses I got from some of that, you know, varied um, widely, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on that. And, but, you know, we saw the value in those using those tools as a way to communicate the good things and, you know, and the necessary things rather than, um, you know, um, you know, using that platform, you know, I, you know, I love that we can now get together in person, you know, and, uh, um, no such thing as geography anymore. Right. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I hope that, you know, the technology is going to improve, um, you know, we'll go back to meeting in person, but we'll also use the technology to meet more often. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. It's, you talk about how you made some changes and did some things use, using the pandemic as an opportunity. This podcast wouldn't exist without the pandemic. I was using it as a, I happen to know like guys like Jim, Dr. Jim, I know more you know, consultants because of, I've, you know, the work that we've done with family businesses through the years. I'm like, let me just get these consultants on to help people. And that's how we started. And then we had, it was Ray Isaac and Anthony Daniele came on and I had so much fun talking to them about their businesses. We started to pivot to say, I'll bring in the consultants every once in a while, but we learn more from other people doing it than people telling us what to do, you know? Right. So. You know, and uh, we have a podcast um, and we, we get tens and tens of likes, um, but we're hoping to grow it. And uh, I'm the uh, co-host. We have a uh, one of our uh, risk control uh, managers out of our Delaware facility hosts it. And, uh, you know, we, we balance it, you know, same way. You know, it's, uh, um, you know, we bring in our internal people, you know, um, you know, there's a story to tell. But we also, uh, you know, try to bring in outside uh, um, folks like, you know, we're big in supporting, um, you know, the fight against human trafficking in January's human trafficking um, awareness month. And, you know, there's association truckers against trafficking that we uh, wow. support. And, uh, um, you know, so we brought somebody on from truckers against trafficking, you know, in uh, January. And, you know, we've had uh, our um, initiatives with the uh, um, breast cancer um, 
sport. You know, we've had people from the Breast Cancer Coalition of Rochester on, you know, you know, so it's, it's a mix of internal and external and I have a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, it's a good thing. It doesn't cost a lot because, you know, we're, um, you know, it's just, it's slow growth and uh, getting listeners, but um, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, and, I, and, you know, and I think we, we do a pretty good job. Yeah. And I want to say thank you for all your time today. We, you know, anybody listening to this, hopefully you go back and listen to it again, because there's nuggets inside of here of things that you just did naturally. And from, you know, watching other people's success and just implementing it, hats off to you. Um, Hats off to your mom and dad. I want to give them a salute for, you know, they did a great job of, you know, teaching you and your brothers, you know, the foundational aspects of all this stuff. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, we have an award that uh, um, called the Pat Johnson Award. You know, it's uh, you know one of the big things that, uh, you know, big initiatives is supporting women in trucking. And, uh, um, you know, in my mind, you know, um, you know, she was one of the pioneers, you know, as, uh, um, you know, she started with my dad and, uh, you know, and she just, uh, not only was she a great mother, you know, and raising us and uh, teaching us, you know, she was a great business leader, you know, and uh, side by side with my dad. And, you know, certainly learned a lot from my dad as well. But, you know, we like to say that uh, um, the doing things right, you know, came from her. You know, she was a big believer. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right or we'll just stay home. So. That's great. Ken Johnson, Leonard's Express, thank you for joining me today. Um, really, really had a great time. Um, my name is Michael Columbus. I'm with Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. And this has been the Family Biz Show. Uh, if you happen to be listening to the show and you're a family business Feel free to reach out. We'd love to have you on, especially the multi-generation family businesses. Tell your story and share it with other people. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting-edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that, and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with The Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy, LLC, is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.